I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hi, welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate. This is Mike. So Mike and I have been going around the basement sniffing because Mike is convinced that he smells dog poop down here. We do not, but it's been There was a dog in our house yesterday, and I can't I don't know. It just smells like poop. It's over by my desk. I'm like looking at it. I do the... not feel like it does. And I'm, right. I'm the pregnant one with spidey senses, so. It's true. Anyway. We should walk over there then. Oh, well, after okay. the episode, I'll give it a good sniff. <laughs> Anyway, well, I knew Penelope had a big poop in her diaper this morning. That that's probably it. It was just the, it's the lingering from that. It's oh man, she's oh man. Yeah. How are you doing this morning? Hey, so anybody who's listening, we're so Penelope's two years and four months old, and I was like gonna double down on the potty training and get it done before the baby came because I was like, oh, I don't want to have two kids in diapers. But then a friend of mine who has two kids was like, just so you know, Kate, that's not going to make your life any easier. It's actually then like your kid has to go in every bathroom everywhere you possibly go. Let me ask you a question about this, because I this is very obvious to me. But like, why did you think it was going to make your life easier? Because in my head, I was thinking, okay, two sizes of diapers, thinking about do I have the diapers when I leave the house? Just trying to get Penelope like a little more independent before the second baby comes along was the sort of general idea. Because I was like, oh, I want to get her so she's falling asleep by herself without us in the room, which happened naturally. And then I was thinking potty training was the other one. But then when you actually think about it, I just hadn't really like thought it through. But then when you actually think about it, it doesn't make your life easier because then you have to be constantly checking in with your kid. Do you have to go to the bathroom? You know, Whatever. And so I don't want to really be dealing with that. Unless Penelope shows interest, in which case we'll go for it, obviously. So okay, that's the update on potty training. Just wanted to check. But she is now showing interest. She is. She, she wants Now to wear she wants underwear. to wear underwear over her diapers. Yeah, we're getting there. So. I don't I don't really we're, care. We're going to start. It doesn't matter to me. There's well, going to be a point in time where she not be wearing diapers. And Oh, no, when obviously. That, when that time comes, great. But until then. But I don't want to rush her. No, she makes the decision. She gets it. She knows where we pee and poop. She likes to watch and flush the toilet and the whole shebang. So she goes, I flush toilet. I flush toilet. Yeah, I flush toilet. <laughs> she says toilet so funny. It's like toilet. Anyway, so today we she are. a lot of things funny. <laughs> I know. Okay. Floney. I'm going to go play with Floney. She is a little friend. She can't do the S and the L together. So she says it like she has headgear. So her little friend Sloan, she says, Clone or Clyde is very cute. Okay, enough about. Is that him. offensive? Did you just make offend somebody? Possibly. Yeah. Sorry, we didn't mean to offend. I don't know. Do people do people wear headgear anymore? <laughs> I don't know. Because there's like Invisalign, right? Isn't headgear for teeth? Yeah, it's a whole thing. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it was now, big like, in the '80s, but I'm not sure that that's a thing anymore. I don't know. If anybody knows, let us know. Because I think with it, I thought well, it was like Invisalign. Mark, um, or who's that Canadian Wayne's World guy? Who's that actor? Wayne's World. Mike Myers? Mike Myers. He has this character. Remember he had yeah, the on character on Live. SNL? Yeah. And then he had the whole thing with Gwyneth Paltrow. Right. And it, that's how Penelope says Sloney <laughs> and Slide. Okay. So we have a serious episode for you today about... We should do our review first. Serious things. Okay. I got a review. Oh, okay. So okay. enough on the potty training and the headgear. Yeah. I mean, guys, I got free giveaways here and I we've read a review, I don't think every episode, but you know, reach out. Let us know. Let us know you got because it. Because when you leave a review, you might win something. Yeah, you will win something. Because I mean, reviews are not like pouring in here, like, right? So it's pretty... You just leave one review, there's a pretty good chance you're going to win something you at this totally moment You just totally blew up our front. Our front? <laughs> I mean, it's obvious. All you got to do is look at the review section and be like, oh, yeah. How many reviews total do we have? 50... 64. Oh, I feel Well, like... we have 64 ratings, but that, I don't know if that means that oh. we've had all these comments. I feel like that's pretty solid. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. I like it. Yeah. So, okay. So, this is from Elizabeth B. 
and you are the first person to leave a review in 2018. So congratulations, Elizabeth B. Like chatting with friends. So just send me a message on on Instagram at Mike J. Watts and let me know your mailing address, Elizabeth B. And I will drop some fun stuff in the mail because I'm looking at it right now. I know what I'm going to what I got for you, but I'm not going to tell you what that is. It's a surprise. It's surprise mail. Yep. What do you love about this podcast? She asks herself everything. I thought she was asking us. <laughs> well, that's her first question. So that's like, not what we're asking. Well, I'll tell you what I love. <laughs> I'm not sure how I found it, but whoa, I'm glad I did. Kate and Mike bring real talk each week. They comfortably discuss all the ins and outs of adulting with humor and grace. My favorite adulting. That's funny. Is that what we're doing here? Yeah, I guess so. We're adulting. I think that's so hilarious that that's been a term that's been invented. That's it is like, funny adult things my favorite episodes are when they're talking about life it really feels like how my friends and i talk to each other and when they interview guests their enthusiasm for the guest and their work shines through you can tell they aren't booking guests just because a publicist asked them to have someone on excellent work you are correct about you that elizabeth correct. B. we very rarely say yes to pitches almost every single one we've turned actually i think we've turned down every single one really besides sadie lincoln that didn't really count as being pitched. That was from Noah. I, I, Hi, Noah. <laughs> Noah Allen Levy is one of our listeners from time to time. He's a dear friend. Right. Been... But no, every it's it's also because we have to have like a connection with. It's not to not to say don't pitch. No, because no, I'm a it's big, not. You know, I'm a I've listen. I'll be pitching up a storm when my book's coming out. But here's here's how you can pitch better if you're going to pitch. Yeah. First off, don't put dear Wait, person. Let's you know what? Don't say this. This is a great episode is how to pitch better. So I'm putting okay. that separate. Well, Stop. just I'll, I'll just do one tip. When you email me, don't put dear friend <laughs> or dear person to whom it may concern or Matt. Like if you put Matt in the subject line or in the first thing, you're not. I just delete. If you put dear friend, I delete. And if you don't get a response from me and then you email me back about because I didn't respond, like, nope. Yeah, it's just not personal. Like if I'm if I'm going to pitch somebody, which we'll talk about this on a future podcast, because Kate said, the first thing I would say is like, hi, Kate, you know, or something that's going to be her and I'm going to make it unique instead of a traditional, I will probably shoot a video and I would send the person a video talking about what we're doing. Actually, I got a pitch like that from Stu McLaren and his wife, Amy. They wanted to pitch a friend of mine something. And they sent a video to pitch me to introduce them to her. And then they sent her a video of the pitch. And it included singing. And I have to say, it was like mm-hmm. the greatest thing ever. It's and uniqueness. Stu's going to be... a. A guest. A guest on the podcast coming up in March, Stu McLaren. So maybe we can talk pitching with him. We'll see. But anyway. That's a good idea. It, yeah. Video pitch is definitely unique. Just is making it. And we can talk a lot about this. I got a lot of feedback this on it. This is a just, whole other episode. It's making it different. Yeah. Think about asking somebody and on a actually, date. Actually, that right? segues perfectly into our topic today, topic today which mm-hmm. is the four key ingredients of any successful business. So right now over on the blog, I'm doing a business love series. So three weeks of kind of behind the scenes, look at how we run our business. And we thought we'd piggyback on that with a business series over here on the podcast. So this is a two-parter. So the four key ingredients, Mike and I just had a chit chat in the kitchen and we came up with what we think after both having been in business, I don't know, I've been in business since I was 18. So however that long that was and you've been in business for a while so collectively we've seen a lot and we work with well, thousands of business out. owners so you're i'm 34 right so that's 12 years 12 years and you've been in business since 2010 9 2009 so that's nine years nine years so collectively we have 22 21 years in business 21 years, 21 years in business. Yeah. Um, pretty cool yeah so the first here's what i want to say we work with a lot of business owners through Origin, our membership community for entrepreneurial moms, through the Money Love for Business Owners. Mike does consulting with business owners. So we're like in it, hearing about a lot of ideas, seeing a lot going around. And I would say, if you are struggling in your business, it is because you are missing out on one of the next four ingredients. Now there could be other things, but like this is what we've narrowed down as we see as one of the key ingredients. So 
Before we get started on what they are, though, we wanted to define what successful means to us because successful, of course, is going to mean different things to everybody. And we weren't sure whether to call the episode four key ingredients of any successful business or thriving business or whatever, but we decided enough people would resonate with the word success as long as we defined it. So our definition of success means that this business is fulfilling to you. So you find it satisfying and personally fulfilling to run. To us. Like our business would be fulfilling to us. Yeah. Not to this. No, but I'm talking to them. Like you're in order to be considered successful in terms of our framework. Now, of course, your framework is going to be whatever your framework is, but we're just telling yours. Then your business needs to be fulfilling to you, personally fulfilling. Second, that it's profitable. So you make more money than you spend. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I think so. That's a good one. And then that you're helping people so that it's doing something to make the world a better place, even if it's making a better widget so somebody can spend less time, you know, fixing the widgets. Doesn't have to be like, you don't have to be curing cancer, but doing something that improves somebody's life. What's cool. the first one again? Fulfilling. Okay. Great. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah. We came up with those together, so I'm glad. I know. I just, I was <laughs> thinking about through my head my own and just make, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so the number one thing that I see, especially with the business owners that we work with, is that the ingredient that is missing is that they are not meeting a specific need that their customers are actually aware that they have. Or they're not solving a problem that the customer is actually aware that they have. So that's really huge. We are in the personal development world, the spirituality world. So there's a lot of stuff out there about like, you know, Reclaim your authenticity, step into your power, you know, live your greatest life. And it can be very, very vague or like, you know, it's about self-love or it's about things that, yes, definitely help people. But your ideal customer is not sitting around thinking like, what I really need is to step into my deepest authenticity. Like they're not thinking that. (laughs) And so... If you're putting things out there and people aren't biting, it could be because there's something about the way that you are putting your stuff out there that is not clear enough that it actually matches up with a need or a problem that your ideal customer actually has. So if you're teaching people how to step into their deepest authenticity, what you might actually be teaching them that's a problem that they know that they have is to have incredible boundaries so that they stop feeling like they're getting walked on by the people in their life. Like that would be a specific thing that you're solving that would definitely help them step into a deeper authenticity, but it would be really much more specific, like teaching them how to say no when they don't feel good about what's going on around them. What do you want to say on this one, honey? (laughs) So what I've seen is with this and especially working with clients and just being a part of this world, the, the people make it too complicated. All right. So the reality is like you're doing something in your life that you feel that could help other people most likely. Right. We're just going to take it from that perspective. So you created a product that you for yourself, like just say you did it for yourself that made your life easier and then you started creating a platform that has for that's that other people are noticing to be like, oh, I wish I could have more of that, or I wish I could do that, or I could wish I could make this a little bit better. And so for you, it's just and then it's not feeling like I think what one downside of this concept of the ideal customer avatar is that it's very easy to say, well, I don't know who that is and just shut down. Right? It's very easy to turn that off. To say I don't I, I can't build a successful business because I don't know who that is at this moment in time. Like if you're brand new into what you're doing and you're starting to put it on the world, you just have to be good at what you're doing. And then as you're going through your building your product, whatever that may be, then people will start to take a notice for it and you'll start to connect with the people that you're supposed to connect with. And I a hundred percent agree with Kate about the vagueness. People are way too vague in what they're putting out in the world. 
and it's like, oh, let's talk about the next 12,000 strategies to help with self-care or something, you know, or like, what is self-care? Like, I think now in this world that we kind of know what that is. Yeah. Now that's becoming a thing that people are aware of because enough people have educated us about what it is. Or like, feel your best day ever, you know? And it's like, if I'm waking up in the morning at five o'clock in the morning, like, if I could sleep till six, I'd feel my best day ever. But when you have a two-year-old that wakes up and screaming at 530 in the morning to say, dad, dad, get me out of my room. Dad, dad, downstairs. Dad, dad, downstairs. Like there's not, I'm not just going to sit in the, like downstairs and be like, I'm in my bliss mode right now. Penelope, stop screaming, you know, or whatever that may be. Like <laughs> there's It'd be interesting to try though. Uh, I could try it. Yeah. I mean, I'll, maybe I'll do it tomorrow, you know? And well, I started opening her door see if she could but what happens is she doesn't notice like i open her door a crack so then she can just walk herself out in the morning yeah but she doesn't i think if you turned on the hall light well we can talk about that later anyway (laughs) the (laughs) sorry all these strategies the i don't know i just some days i'm great with her waking up that early and then other days it just annoys me and so i just you know every you never know what you're gonna get each day you know what another episode would be great on kid sleep no i don't think that would be great I think it would be. Okay. Well, you st- <laughs> no, I don't. We don't need to talk. What are we going to talk about? <laughs> some kids sleep about and some kids don't. We what we've tried and what we think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Our, we should know. It would be our parenting strategies. Yeah, what we that's have worked, good. Parenting strategies. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Great. Okay, so back to the specific need. So I feel like there is a lot of... Just think about this when you go in your daily life. This is how it really works for me, and that's helpful. Is I walk around town, and I look at signs, and I look at what people put advertising outside. I look at the graphics that they use as their emblem and their logo. I look at what it is they're trying to attract me or to get me to do, right? And so through marketing and advertising, you see this like the Super Bowl's coming up, right? I think this came out after the Super Bowl. Right, this, this is a coming out after this. Yeah, Bowl. so the or it's before, whatever the date the Super Bowl is these days. I don't know. I feel like it gets moved back farther and farther every year. But just think about either the Super Bowl's coming up or just happened, and think about the commercials that you connected with during that as you were watching those commercials because some of them are they hit the emotions, they make you cry, they make you feel in a different way, and then other ones are just bragging about whatever they're bragging about and there's no and like buy my product and that stuff doesn't really connect so much with who the audience is and we should talk about the chevy commercial from the movies last night oh yeah that was great and so hold on on that for a second but the so i think with this specific need piece or when you're creating your product or an ebook or writing a book or whatever that may be is now it's gotten to a point where, especially if you're buying a bunch of programs, right? If you're buying it, which we're going to talk about that here in a second, but like it takes you out of like why you're actually doing what you're doing. And I think like a great example of this is the Patagonia story. I just listened to that on the way back from Boston this previous weekend. And he just started making these clips. And I don't know what the name of them is, but for mountain climbers where you stick between cracks and then it kind of drills into the crack so it holds it in place as you're climbing a mountain. And in Europe, when he started this like 40 years ago, was the only place that you could buy these things. And they were pieces of junk, he said, and they were built for like one use only. So you just put them in the rocks and you leave them there. And then people would just continually use them over and over and over again, but then they break all the time. So he's scary when you're climbing the side of a mountain. That is correct, yeah. So he was like, well, why... He had the philosophy that he believed in leaving the land the way it is so leave it cleaner than what he went to it so he started learning how to do blacksmith and becoming his own blacksmith then he started melting and forming these clips these pieces to put into rocks himself that were removable and so then he started to do that and then people started like him and he just started selling them to his friends for like a dollar 25 a piece and he believed really highly in quality and he just was like okay and then he just started selling more of them and he started coming up with other products and it's because that's what fascinated and interested him and he already knew who his ideal customer was because he developed it for himself he was his he was his ideal customer and i feel like a lot of times with these programs that people buy is they're like come up with your ideal customer but the reality is we create products because we need to improve them in our own life like you think about the money love course right that you that you created or even the book money love story that you wrote like that was for you 
Like yeah. you wrote that on your journey, but also it was everything that you did to help with your money game, right? And still to this day, as we talk about these things. And so it's really easy to think about like who my ideal customer is. Well, I am a 20 year old girl in New York who's buying too many shoes, you know, or whatever that may be. Not that you were buying too many shoes. I'm just I'm offended an... by that description. <laughs> Why? You were 20 living in New York. Yeah. And you told me you bought too many shoes. I did. But mostly what my debt was in retrospect was actually was actually like investment in personal development and business development that I had yet <laughs> <Okay>. to <laughs> <laughs> that I had yet to implement, really. Okay, I was just using this as an example. I wasn't saying that this exactly was you. Okay, so <laughs> I'm sorry that if you feel offended based on that. Saying, like it makes me sound like a did. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a very great example. Is like we are creating something to solve our own issue that we have often. going on. Yeah, often in our life. And then that we're looking to improve it for other people. And so you can just... That is the specific need of what the product is getting into the world, but it's being very clear on what you're bringing to help people with. Yeah, and being clear on... So I want to say a couple things about what you just said. I have a blog coming out. If you're not yet on the list at katenorthup.com, go to katenorthup.com and get on the list because then you'll get it in your inbox. And it's a blog about do you really need a niche, which is exactly what Mike just said. Like this, the ideal customer thing gets people really tied up in knots and it stalls them out because they think, well, I haven't completely identified my ideal customer. Therefore, I need to stop building my business until I know what that is. And what I have found is starting in 2010, which I talk about in this blog next week, is that I didn't have an ideal customer identified and I didn't really honestly until last year. So it was like seven years. I mean, a long way. Now I'll talk about it in the blog too, but, and I give you what I call a niche navigator map where you can go through. And it's like one of those things with the boxes where it says at the top, do I need a niche? And then it says, well, how long have you been in business? You know, and then you answer the question and then it kind of sends you down one direction. If you're one answer, another direction, if you're another answer, you've seen these things. Before. This, is, this is good. Nice job. I yeah. didn't know you created this. That's oh, cool. really? Yeah. You know, anyway, so you can go grab that. Um, you'll get it in your inbox next week if you get on the list. Anyway, it's to determine because the truth is, yeah, you do need an ideal customer. Like Patagonia Man, what's his name? Okay, Patagonia Man had an ideal customer, a rock climber, you know? Like, so he was, he was talking to serious rock climbers at that time. Now, of course, Patagonia has expanded and it's talking to, you know, people who are hardcore outdoors enthusiasts and then also, you know, people who just want a jacket. But at that time, he was really clear on who his people were and he was really clear on the problem he was solving, which is these rock climbing thingies that keep breaking, that are A, breaking and B, harming the planet because people are leaving them everywhere, right? So super, super clear mm -hmm. what problem and the result that people were going to get is that they would be able to use these thingies multiple times over so this saved money and also saved the planet so what you need to be really clear on is what is the problem that you're solving or what is the need that you're meeting and what are the specific results that somebody will receive from using your product now if you know those two things you don't have to worry too much about the ideal customer because that will come I do recommend doing the work on that and right now our friend Marie Forleo has a free video series out and she teaches all about that. And you can go to katenorthup.com forward slash Marie. We'll talk about it a little bit more at the end to learn more about how to identify your ideal customer and why that's important. But what we're saying is don't get stuck on that and not continue moving forward in your business. Because if you know what the problem is that you're solving and you are communicating what specific results your customer is going to get from using your product then you're good to go. Just keep moving forward. But that's a huge thing is that people don't identify for their people what result they're going to get from using their products. So somebody's like, well, why would I spend my money on that? You know, like a deep dive into an, you know, a spirit authenticity journey is like, what is that? <laughs> you know? So be careful about vagueness and get really meet a specific need that people are where they have and get specific about the results. So the next thing is focus and not trying to be everything 
to everyone. And this was one that you had come up with, Mike. So I'll let you start. That's not the definition that I thought of when I said focus, though. What, what did you mean I think by you focus? wrote that part on. Well, you came up with focus when I said out loud. What well, we you said about. not trying to be everything to everyone. No, I don't remember. Okay, well, I'll talk about this one. Cause, <laughs> and then you can add it. I just think... Because what are the other two? Cutting out. Yeah. Don't okay. we tell them when they would tell well, them? Well, I'm just I'm making sure. Like, we talked about this. You wrote it down. So I'm just trying to make sure. I should write this down myself. And then I can make notes as we go. That's okay. what I'll do for the next podcast. Okay, great. Like, I'm improving. We're, <laughs> we're improving every day. You start on focus. Okay, so... Focus is not trying to be everything to everyone. And I just interviewed Jada Selner, who was one of the co-creators of Simple Green Smoothies, and she's now at jadaselner.com. She is a business strategist, and she talks about love over metrics, and she's amazing. And she talked about the concept of the five Ps and getting really focused on one person, one product, one platform, so like one social media platform to promote on, one plan like using the same marketing plan every 12 months and one promotion strategy. So for hers at Simple Green Smoothies, it was using quarterly challenges. So seasonal challenges. So That's good. I know, right? Yeah. So anyway, I I have heard things like this before. You know, Jada's not the first person <laughs> to talk about simplifying and focus, but it was so powerful to hear it in that way. And so often, I think the kiss of death for entrepreneurs is like, you get started in business, you have a product or service, and then somebody says, well, could you also do this? Like, for example, I wrote Money, A Love Story. Then my publisher asked me to write a book about teaching your kids about money. Okay, at that time, I had no children. So yes, it was a lovely offer, and I'm sure I could have gotten a book deal, but it made no sense to me because I was like, I can't speak about teaching your kids about children from any sort of authentic place. I have zero stories about it other than my own childhood. And like, I'm sick of talking about my own childhood. <laughs> and the truth so, is, even that example, like, we can't talk about that for 20 years. That's what I think. Like, you, we can't talk about teaching our kids about money until we see how they turn out. You know, and in like also, 20 like, years, you know, talking you don't... to a two and a half year old about money is going to be really different than talking to a 20 year old about money. Anyway, I don't think that book's going to be coming out anytime soon. No, but look the, for it in it uh, a... 20. What's the year? 2038. Yeah. Look for that coming to you in 2038. But the thing is, like, just because somebody asks you to do it does not mean it's in your best interest to do. And in fact, most of the time when you get distracted by trying to do something for somebody that's not within your core competency, like those five Ps, you will then get distracted from doing what you're meant to do. And so, for example, like, you know, when we last year about this time switched directions, starting to talk to specifically entrepreneurial mothers or entrepreneurial nurturers, we got some emails from people being like, well, I want to learn about consolidating my student loans or from a man saying, well, can I join Origin? Like, why is this just for women? And I was like, it just is. Like, I'm not going to create this for men. It's just not who we're talking to. There's a lot of other things for men and you can go spend money with somebody else. So you want to think about it as focusing on what you do best and letting other people focus on what they do best. Like, for example, We've had an idea in our company to create a how to grow your Instagram following course because we learned how to grow the Instagram following. But the truth is, like, we don't teach social media courses. I'm not saying never say never, but, like, that's not what we do best. So could we make some money at it? Yeah. Could we help some people? Yeah. But that's not really what we do. And so I'd rather somebody go spend money with you know, another friend of ours who's doing that, like Lewis Howes or somebody else who's teaching about Instagram, because that's more what they do. And we do what we do. Doesn't mean we're losing money. In fact, I think that we have a better profit from focusing on what we do best and not trying to be everything to everyone. I think that's great. Would you like to add anything? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. See, this is why I'm confused about focus because your number three bullet point on there is what was, I was what taught. you meant. Yes. Okay, so number three is we're combining two and three. Well, there's two types of focus. There's focusing on what you do, and then there's focusing on who you listen to. So now you can do part B of focusing, well, okay. which is who you listen. Regarding to. Regarding what you talked about, it is the 
because what will happen is you start to make, let's say your business starts to grow in one format and you're like, I need to branch out to do something else. Right. And so you don't, and maybe you don't, maybe it's, you just keep plowing away at what you're actually doing until then, you know, it's like, okay, this feels right for me to move to someplace else and for me to start doing something else. But at that moment, what I start noticing is you're trying to put energy in all of these different buckets, right? Let's say, and you're spreading yourself way too thin. So a great example is like, even just think about donating and helping a charity, right? So let's say I want to donate $5,000 to a charity, right? So instead of just donating it to one charity, I split it up across five. And so they all have a thousand dollars each, which is really nice of me. But how is that actually helping like it is helping the charity because they actually get another thousand dollars, but it spreads it out evenly where I can have my biggest impact, right? With an organization, instead of focusing on one organization, now I'm spread up over five, and then I'm going to have five organizations coming asking me for money every single quarter or every single month and want to help more. And then I might be like, well, I'm not able to help you because I'm helping this other charity over there. So an example from a focus standpoint to help the most meaningful thing might be just to donate $5,000 to one place because that way you're helping them as well as you're very streamed and focused yourself. And then you know, like you're, you'll maybe create a bigger connection with that one charity if you so desire to do that. And that way you can figure out ways to help them even more. Right. So that's just an example from a charity perspective, but same thing with our business. And as we're growing you know, a company or you're trying to grow your business and just trying to get your product out there. Right. So like the Patagonia example, if he started deviating and like, was like, let me make the best basketball shoes. Like that would be like, what are you doing? Your company will fail. Right. You know, it's like, cause he knows, you know, the guy, Yvonne, it was his name. I think he, it's Y V A N. Is that right? Yvonne. Yvonne. So he was like, that's not a good idea, right? Stick with what you actually know. And you might be the person just has a great idea. You might be listening to this and be like, well, I'm not a business person. Mike, I can't do this. Neither was he. And he still now has learned himself and he calls himself a businessman now because it's been 40 years. So he had to learn these things to grow and he's tons of employees, et cetera, and all this stuff. And, but it was right off the bat. He just was a mountain climber and outdoor adventurer and just did this to help him and his friends out, you know, and that was the reason. So don't think of, even if we're talking about this from a business perspective, you're like, well, I'm not a business person, so I can't do this, Mike and Kate, but you don't have to be. No, you, you can know? definitely apply this. If you work in a job, you can definitely apply this. If you are a parent, like this stuff can always be right. And so one thing that has been very, and I hear Gary V talk about this a lot regarding, this state of entrepreneurship right now in the world where entrepreneurship has become sexy. Because if you think like 20 or 30 years ago, entrepreneurs were looked down upon. Why do you think the business section is the last section in the newspaper? Right. And so if you look at every newspaper, where's the business section to the most part, you know, your community newspaper, your town newspaper, it's like on the back of the sports page. That's one page, but now it's becoming more on business ownership and entrepreneurship has become sexy, right? Is you get the Lambo and the cars and the house and the money and the girls or the guys or whatever it might be chasing the dream at like a 20 year old might see to be able to do that or even a 40 year old or whatever that is. But the reality is like, that's going to change, you know, if the economy tanks and, you know, we've been on this massive rise of the economy and if it reverses and goes down, like businesses will start to close. And so that sexiness that comes with business ownership might not be the same as what it was, but there's, so that's why when businesses start to close, people get laid off too. So it becomes not so sexy to be an entrepreneur or an employee or an employee. But this is why it's so important when Kate talked about defining what success means to you for your business is to get very clear on that, you know, because that is what will sustain you through the ups and downs of your career. Okay. So number three is cutting out the extraneous input, extraneous inputs. (laughs) It's a word I would have never said (laughs) extraneous inputs. I like it. Input singular. Oh, input. Okay. Well, lots of inputs could be, or is that, no, is extraneous mean, what does extraneous mean? (laughs) Does it mean many? It means like extraneous is extra stuff that's unnecessary. So it's kind of a plural and then input is singular. Input, input, yeah. Input is one of those words that you don't make it plural. It's just a So saying like word. I have a lot of podcast input 
right now is it's only used in the singular instead of i have a lot of podcast inputs <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay if you ever want to get kate laughing like crazy is you just start saying words funny and like she just loses it she's such a word nerd uh, this is a special shout out to my sister ann Mahler if you're listening yeah she gets i it know too. that annie is also giggling right now too yeah strenuous input okay so this means turn off, stop buying programs, stop listening. Well, not entirely. Okay, you're correct. <laughs> Explain that then. Well, the way you described it is like choosing one or two people. Right, that's what I was getting okay. to. Okay, so you have to choose, like you have to limit your focus on who you're actually paying attention to. Because the one thing, for instance, like, the number one cancellation reason for origin for Kate, right, has been I don't have enough time. You mean to tell me I thought that was like an animal? I just you just lifted your foot above the table and I thought there was like a the, the dog that's pooping everywhere. This dog, <laughs> I thought it was here. I the, was stretching. Yeah, I know that now. Well, I you can stretch, but I just got you know the foot caught me out of the corner of my eye. But like people don't have enough time. I mean, the amount of content that Kate puts out each month is like two and a half hours. Right? So let's talk about... Okay, let me do some calculations real fast. So there's... Let's just say there's 30... 30 days. Times 24. That's 720 hours. Yeah. And 2.5 divided by 725. That is 0.3% of the monthly basis. Right? 0.3. We offer it in audio download. So there are videos, but you can just listen to the audio. So you can do it. You can listen while you're cooking dinner, while you're taking a walk. Anything while you're going to the bathroom, which are things that you're doing anyway, whatever you, whatever, whatever. So the point is that's two and a half hours. Like somebody joined origin because they're a mom and want to create a better relationship with their work environment, their mothering environment, maybe their relationship environment, you know, all the things that are talked about inside of origin, right? Themselves, like really empowering themselves as they go through their business and grow their business. But like somebody would be like, I don't have the time to do this. Well, if you don't have the two and a half hours to listen to something on a monthly basis that can help you (laughs) make your life easier, like what else are we inputting into our system? So now I can't, I'm trying to use these different forms of input and I'm wondering if it's right, but like what else is happening that's stopping you from growing your business or creating a better relationship with your husband or wife or your kids, you know, because if that is a case, and that's fine. Origin might not be right for everybody, which is different. That's a different example. That's a different reason for canceling. But the number one reason we get is I don't have the time for this. Correct? Is that right? Yeah. Or yeah, which is basically the same thing as I'm overwhelmed. Right. But we very strategically keep the content to a streamlined minimum because I don't listen. I have we a don't lot want to going on too. Right. Yeah. It could be like. That's why hours. That's why it's under two and a half hours a month. Right. Okay. So that means. Okay. So let's say you're signed up for Origin, and then you let's say I'll just use the examples. Let's say you pay attention to Gabby Bernstein, Marie Forleo, Danielle Laporte, Kate Northrup, Oprah. You know, Oprah and all her books that she. You know, I don't know what else Oprah does. She's putting out. Yeah, I know. She does a lot of stuff. So you have all of these influences that take place, like Lewis Howes, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vee, who else? Like I don't know, just. Anybody the you can name, whoever there. you listen to, like just add in to fill in the blank. So I'll say blank and you fill it in. So let's take all those examples and you have, you're getting five courses in the next two months just from all of those people, right? Or programs, or you buy their physical books or whatever that may be. Some people can actually handle all of that content and start producing things in the world, right? You're probably on a smaller percentage of the majority of folks, right? We have limited brain power, limited mindset, limited ability to do things on a monthly basis. So it comes down to like getting very specific on who you're going to learn how to grow your business from. Let's take that example, right? And run with it, right? So like Kate mentioned B-School earlier today, and that's in the promotion at this as this podcast is out. So like if you haven't taken like a business course, but actually want to run a business, there's no need to go to business school because I've spent $63,000 on an MBA program. But I learned more from like an eight-week program like Marie put out because all I did is learn how to do online marketing from her. 
during that period of time, right? That the B school was offered. So it really, it minimizes and eliminates all of the other distractions that happen with your life. And it gives you the pure focus time. What happens with this is why people don't do it. It's because they think if they're going to focus on just B school, for example, they will miss out on something. And so you spread your energy all over the place because I got to I got to stay in with what's going on over here. I got to dabble a little bit in in the avenues of what's taking place over here, so I'm not going to put my full focus on here. And it's actually not focusing 100% on one thing to produce the result that you desire is actually what's not getting us the result that we desire. If that made sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it does make sense because if you are spreading your focus over six different courses and six different teachers at the same time, you're not going to have the bandwidth to implement really anything and you're going to get overwhelmed and inevitably the teachers are going to contradict each other and you're going to get confused and then you'll quit versus if you go all in with one or two teachers, which is kind of like at any given time, I'm like really into one or two people at a given time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true for yeah, you Yeah, and too, anybody Mike. we've naming here, there's nothing, we don't have anything against them. I was just using me as an example. I wanted to make sure that very Well, clear. they're all wonderful. Yeah. We love them so and much. what Kate just said was really cool because she said that what they're teaching you might contradict each other, right? And it doesn't actually mean it might be a contradiction. It might be their style of teaching right. that is teaching it differently, And so it sounds like, well, this person said this and this person said this, but it is how what's authentic to that human being and who that person is, is how they're teaching their content out in the world. So our recommendation is to really go on a consumption diet and focus on one or two key teachers and cut out all the rest of the extraneous input. So that might mean doing a wild unsubscribe on your inbox. I'm subscribed to like five email lists and that is it. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of them is my mother. One of them is my sister. One of them is Mike, you know, so it's like really, really limited. And am I, do I sometimes get nervous that I'm going to miss something really great that somebody's promoting? Yes, I do. But I would rather go all in with the things that I'm aware of and the things I know I need to focus on than buy every program and read every blog. Like I just don't have the bandwidth. And if I try to read all the things and listen to all the things and take all the courses, I will not be able to fulfill on my own mission, which is being present with Mike and Penelope, being present with our origin community, and really being present in my life. Right. And let's take it back to your definition of success, right? Like right. we talked about fulfilling, profitable, and helping people. So I'm listening to 25 different people at the same time. How am I helping someone? Right. Most likely I'm because I'm not most of the time I'm taking in too much input and not actually producing anything. So is that fulfilling? Most likely that's not fulfilling my own bucket of this creativity or right. this production aspect. So how of, do you decide who to listen to is the other question then. Mm-hmm. I like to look at who is living a life that is something that I resonate with. Like who actually has a life similar to what I want? So are they family oriented? Do they seem happy? Do they have share similar values to what I share? Do they seem like they're having fun? Are they in integrity? Like those are kind of the things that I look for. And usually it's just like a gut feeling of resonance where like right now I really deeply resonate with Stu McLaren. He's not only a great guy, he also, you know, he's got two little kids He's really all about making a big impact on the world, and he's a great teacher. So I'm into Stu, for example, which is why we're having him on our podcast coming up. I'm also, I really enjoy the way Marie teaches because I know her personally, and I've seen that what she teaches works in her business, in my business, and in thousands of other businesses. So those are two examples of people that like I resonate with on a personal level, and so it felt really good to learn from them. Right. And even if you listen to, like Kate just mentioned, Marie, she doesn't have children. No. Right? So well, she has a stepson. Right. She has a stepson, but he's in college. Yeah, but he was young when she first was with Josh. So okay. she actually has had quite a the bit of experience, experience with okay. a child in the home. Okay. So... <laughs> But that's also 20 years ago, let's say, or 15 years ago, right? I don't know how long they've been together. However long they've been together. But like at this, I'm just... No, she's not being woken up at 5 a.m. by a toddler. 
I'm not, I don't need to debate Marie's child, you know, taking care of a kid. It's like, I'm looking at this from an example of how to filter something that, you know, somebody might use an example of, well, when I listen to Marie's content or what might come out to be like, oh, okay, well, I also have a two year and a half year old at home. So I have to take what is somebody teaching and then I can actually apply the one or two things to adjust to my life. So if I listen to everything Marie says to do it this way or that way, it might not work actually with a small kid at home or with multiple children at home or with a wife who's pregnant or whatever that example may be to relate that to your own. Or maybe you have a husband who's in the military and gone, right? And that's not the case for Marie during her content. You know, she, Josh is not in the military and overseas, right? So you have to relate it back to your own life. So this goes the same with all of these people, you know, that you pay attention to is make sure you're filtering. It's like paying it. It's taking it all in, being an open mind to it, and then saying, okay, this is how I can apply this to my own life. And as you are eliminating these outside inputs, these extraneous, extraneous inputs, <laughs> input, sorry, sorry, guys, input. This extraneous input. This extraneous, yeah. <laughs> so this is, the, the problem is, here's a great example. I'm trying to use Kate's language to, how would to you show, say stop, how would I say it? Okay stop listening to too many people like Great. or something That's like that right it would be it. i'm really i want to like i want to add a cuss word in the situation there but i'm just gonna try to clean it up penelope's repeating a lot of her words so i'm trying to clean up what i'm saying how i'm speaking she's been saying crap a lot lately yeah. which is because of her daddy yeah but it's you know crap is not you know that's actually i know could be worse it could be worse um, but it's not the greatest no no it's not bad <laughs> it's funny though when she uses it because it's completely out of like she goes oh crap <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's good but yeah okay so let's we should move to point okay. number four point number four is being yourself you will stand out from the crowd by being yourself and being who you are and not being afraid to be different in fact being different than the other people out there is going to be the very thing well one of the very things that will make your business successful so Rather than, you know, in, when I'm in creation mode, for example, when I was just writing my next book, the working title, The Do Less Experiment, A Working Mother's Guide to Sanity, I was not reading other books. Is that for fathers? <laughs> I mean, fathers would get something out of it, but I'm focused on mothers. Okay. I just wanted to make it very clear, like this first example we used about specific need, that was very specific. It's pretty specific. Yeah. And I will be fully honest with you. I get nervous about being that specific because I'm like, well, the truth is anyone could benefit from this book. But as Marie says, Marie Forleo, if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. And it's so true. Like if you are trying to meet everybody's needs and focus on everybody, yes, of course what you have could help everybody. But if you are talking to everybody, your message will get so watered down that the right people won't be able to hear you anymore. So if you're being yourself, you will inevitably bug some people. Like I'm true. sure we've actually had a review that our banter annoys some people. That's fine. We are not the podcast for you. But for our right people, they find it charming. And that's lovely. And so they listen. But we're not trying to be the podcast for everyone. We just do this mostly because we like to do it. <laughs> and then, you know, these are conversations we would want to have anyway. And then people listen who are on the right vibe for us because we're being ourselves. We're not trying to be you know, our friend James Wedmore. We're not trying to be Tim Ferriss. We're not trying to be Elizabeth Cronus McLaughlin, you know, doing political commentary. <laughs> We're not trying to be these other people who are also successful podcasters. That takes place at Project Life with Mike Wass, if you're interested. Oh, great. Mike will be providing the political commentary. <laughs> and you should listen to Mike's podcast, which is a different flavor to this one. So, you know, some listeners will resonate Correct. with both and whatever. So what we're trying to say is, one of the biggest worries in business is, well, that's already been done before. Well, why should I teach people how to make green smoothies? So many other people are teaching people how to make green smoothies. Why should I go out there, you know, teaching people about time management or productivity, right? Like well, that's one of the main things that I teach in origin is how to organize your life according to your values. Are there other people who do that? Yes, but not the way I do it. 
And so everybody will be doing something that somebody has done before. But the key to having a successful business is doing it the way you do it best. And when, oh, I was saying about my book when I was writing my book, and same with my money book, I wasn't reading everybody else's money book at the same time. I was doing my work. So I really recommend if you are working on a body of work, yes, research is sometimes important, but at a certain point, you got to stop the research and you have to just say what you have to say in the way that you have to say it. And so I didn't read every other book on focus and productivity and doing less and efficiency at the time that I was writing my book because my message would have gotten watered down and I would have become a second rate version of myself. And like a watered down version of some bogus, vague, it's like when you read the books <laughs> that somebody's written, that basically it's just like a generalization of every other person who's ever said the same thing. It's super boring. And I always end up putting them down versus somebody who is fundamentally saying the same concepts that everyone else is saying, but they're telling it in a unique way through their own story, through their own lens on the world. It's fascinating. I can hear the lessons from them in a way perhaps I couldn't from somebody else because their story resonates with me or their way of being resonates with me. That's fantastic. But Do you want to say anything else about being yourself? Sure. Yeah, I was going to. I was just taking it in. Oh, great. I was having a moment. This is the hardest one. And why is this the hardest one, Mike? It's the hardest one because we live in a world that we have to buy this pill or this program or drink this juice or drink this thing to be healed or to go to this seminar or this program or this class. And then that's where all the other ones overlap this because like it messes up our focus. It has too many inputs, you know, we're creating too many, too much input coming in from all these other things because we mess up our focus and finding out who we really are and who we can be in the like what makes Mike Watts tick has taken years like to get to the place I'm at today. And I still have a lot of work to do moving forward. Like once we have a second kid, I have to create a new Mike Watts. Like I have to, the Mike Watts at this moment in time will die. You know, as soon as that second kid is born, like Mike Watts as a, a man, a husband and a father of one no longer exists. Cause now I'm a man, I'm a husband and I'm a father of two. And so that person of who I'm about to become is an entirely new human being. And so to be comfortable in a way or to, I shouldn't say comfortable, but like to accept that that's a reality is one of the hardest things to do. Because when we first went from zero children to one child, letting go of my old style of life took a longer time. It took like eight, when, when Penelope hit 18 months, I fully kind of let go of who the old Mike Watts was to a certain degree. You know, it just like that was, and then I fully kind of dove into this new fatherhood role, you know, and it happens much quicker for women a lot of times because they're the ones growing the baby and then well, and the birth hormones is a rite of passage. and birth is right. And the whole thing and men, we just like, I remember you gave birth and then I went and picked up the baby and brought a Penelope to you, you know, in the hospital. And then the next, like, then you had surgery and you had to recover from that. And then the next thing is like, I have to go changing these diapers to this new being that I was like, what just happened, you know? And it was a lot of craziness that took place. And now having a second kid, I'm not going to experience going from zero children to one child. And so I already, right. I will, it's, it's I'll not, experience not a, being a dad to being a dad. Right. Now I'm just being a dad to an additional human, which is still going to be a, a change in itself but not as drastic to as it was before. At least that's at least my theory at this so moment in time. That's a, that's what the I just, I, the there's no, no there's, there's no, no way. way. There's no, there's no way going from zero children to one child is, yeah, there's just no way because it's a whole different ball game. And so this is why, but it's also the easiest, like being ourselves who we are on a daily basis is also it could be the most it's the most challenging thing as growth takes place but it's also the easiest because we are ourselves on a daily basis and so you see it a lot i see it all the time when we will be talking with somebody 
and perfectly fine and then they get on camera or they get on a radio show or they get on a phone or behind the cash register or behind the cash register at the coffee shop we have this great coffee shop in town and this woman the way she talks to people just is much different than if you're in a side conversation with her and i was like she's completely in all of them there's like two or three people at this coffee shop and so they go on the who they actually are on camera versus who they actually are behind the scenes you know, and that's the place we are at in 2018 is that those walls are falling. You want to talk about like the patriarchy, what's happened with Weinstein and Matt Lauer and like all of these dudes that are creeps behind the scenes. Well, now Larry Nasser, the doctor for the. Oh, yeah, that's really bad. Gymnastics. Oh, my it's gosh. Really well, he's going to jail for like As he the rest of his life. So all of this stuff is you being kind of who you are is really easy to do that because you are that person. And if there's something that's happening where you're like, you know, I'm not happy with that situation, then you can change that. Like you have the power to do that. But all of these input activities that take place are telling us that we're not okay. There's something wrong with us that we can't handle it ourselves. And as we change in life, we have to adapt to what that is. And I think it's being who I am was really easy when i used to drink and smoke a bunch of weed like but is that really who you are but what i'm saying is that was really easy because i didn't have to deal with who i really was because i or the problems i was experiencing at that time um, i have a friend of ours who is on for 10 years has been on a pharmaceutical drug and he got off i told him we were hanging out a couple about six about a year ago or so and i was like dude you gotta get you gotta stop like you gotta get this cleaned up and I told him about this place in California and he went there, get it cleaned up and he comes back. He goes, I used to just operate life where all these people would talk about stresses and hard times they're having in their life. And I would just go through life and be like, I don't get it. Like, I'm not experiencing any of this. Like, I don't want what's going on. Like my life's pretty. And when he stopped taking the pharmaceutical drug and got clean is when it all has hit him because he, it's just burying it. And when I think about myself, when I was doing all these drugs and alcohol and all this stuff, like you just bury it. And so I've had to deal with all that stuff now, which is great because I'm dealing with it. Right. And I'm not using a cover up. I'm actually sitting in what that emotion is and how I'm going through that and experiencing what life is like clean, you know, and it's not necessarily easier. It's just more real. It's more real. And I be, I'm becoming happier, right? It it's becomes, goes back to your success things about fulfilling. What was the second profitable and helping people, right? And so I'm able to help people because I understood the darkness that I had in myself, right? And I can come out of that to get that. And then is it profitable? Well, it might not, right on paper, it might not be profitable right away, but I your, know... Your business? Yeah, like if you if you look yeah, at a situation... it takes a while. Yeah, it takes some time, right? But if you have the drive to create this thing that you wanted to create that's better than what you have currently have going on, then it'll take a little bit of time. But there's ways to look at it different from a... So a lot of things people will hear profitability and they're like, it's got to be the dollar figure. It might not necessarily be the dollar figure. Maybe it's you have a, like you're just becoming better. Like you're putting more profit into knowledge, right? You're taking in more knowledge of marketing and you're able to implement this information. You're becoming more confident in who you actually are as a human being based off of some course you might be taking. That is to me is also very profitable as well because it's it's helping me become a better person but then it's also with what we're doing goes to fulfillment right and it's like is this fulfilling me is this making me happier but ultimately if you want to run a business it needs to be to make money oh correct yes otherwise yeah. you're just doing personal no <laughs> yeah that is correct so i do think profitability is is a key ingredient of a success it's a hundred percent but it's not the only thing no it's the life okay of your... if you're just getting started and you're not profitable right. yet because and it's also it might de- take a little while that is correct and it might de- it also it's very dependent on what type of business you're running oh for sure right you know it's like the patagonia guy was talking about how they just started they had to take some well they actually never have taken investor money so that's not a good example i was thinking about something else yeah, but a lot of companies run on investor money for the first couple of Correct. years because the investors believe in their idea and their vision. That is I correct. ran on credit card debt for the first couple right. of years and so did you. Yep. And um, even when we've run our business together, we've had to carry not recently, but like no, a few years for ago. For a month or two. Yeah, we were using which is great. So American Express or Visa or MasterCard was our investor at that moment. 
but we're not, we just have to pay them back. Like we're not, you know, entitled to them for some sort of percentage of the business. You know, we just pay the loan that we took and paid it back. So yeah, there, yeah. The lifeblood of your business is cash flow that's coming in and going out. So the profitability from it there. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to review the four key ingredients. One, that you are meeting a specific need that the people you want to serve are aware that they actually have. Number two, that you're focused. You're not trying to be everything to everyone. Number three, you are cutting out extraneous input. Or, as Mike Watts says, you are not listening to all the people. (laughs) Number four, you are being yourself so that you stand out in the marketplace. So that's what we've seen are the four key ingredients to any successful business that is fulfilling, profitable, and helpful to other people. And that's what we got for you today. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. If you would like to know more about running a successful business that is fulfilling, profitable, and helps people, we invite you to listen to an awesome free video training from our friend, eight-figure business owner and business mentor, Marie Forleo. You can head over to katenorthup.com forward slash Marie. The videos are available for a limited time only. And the first one is about the six pillars that any successful online business needs to have. And we have to say we agree with her. So katenorthup.com forward slash Marie free video training series.